0: Hello and welcome, my name is Leah Barber and you're listening to Next Gen Femme, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women's achievements. Being a business or massive personal goals, we speak to women that persevered through the ups and downs to pursue their passions. You've probably been wondering, what's happened to Next Gen Fem. We're still here. Next Gen Femme have just been on a bit of a hiatus the last few months because of work commitments and personal priorities. At the end of the day, myself and Fiona still have work and other responsibilities outside of NGF, but we're finally back with a brand new episode.
1: I feel like I've kind of done a little bit of everything over the last few years. And now I find myself being a comedian, but really struggling to identify as a comedian and kind of view it as a, val- a valid, profession.
0: Mm-hmm. In episode nine of Next Gen Femme, which we recorded back in August of last year, we spoke to Anya Gallagher. Anya is a comedian and sociologist currently residing in Berlin, where she is taking the time to develop her stand-up acts, while proving to herself and her family that being a comedian is a viable and sustainable career. Starting off as an occupational therapist, Anya never felt the career suited her and always felt like there was something missing until she found herself in the comedy scene via Bright Club in Galway. Anya recounts the struggle of pushing through that Irish conservative mindset, that pursuing a career in the creative or performance arts isn't just a hobby, but something that is worth pursuing. All this and more in this next installment of Next Gen Femme. We're excited for you to hear our ninth episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Next Gen Femme or Next Generation Female, however you'd like to put it. Here we are with a- another episode. We're here with episode nine, and we're doing it a little bit differently this time. So, there's three of us here obviously, myself, my co host, Fi Malone. You can say hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> She's currently in Kilkenny. She usually resides a- in, in Gore. Village in
2: County Kilkenny, mm. known as
0: Piltown. V obviously resides in Galway, but she's actually back home at the moment in Kilkenny. And then our guest, who is—and hopefully I pronounce this correctly—is Anya Yes. Anya Gallagher, and she is in Berlin, I believe. Yes. Yes, but yeah. where where do you? I live in Berlin. Oh, you live in Berlin, but where are you from? I'm from Dublin. Okay, okay perfect so yeah we're here with uh we're here with any Gallher, and i'm just gonna get you we've introduced you so tell us your age if you don't mind uh your occupation and an interesting or random fact about yourself
1: all right i am 32 my profession is comedian mm-hmm. i suppose and i would call myself a sociologist as well and an interesting fact about myself
2: this is going to be good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> this is not going to be good. Well, my middle name is Jane. And this, this anyway, I've, I've gone for it now. Um, <laughs> my middle name is Jane. And I'm named after, Jane was a woman who gave my parents natural contraceptive advice in the mid eighties.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that clearly worked. Interesting. But it worked for me. It didn't work for <laughs> them. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, okay, so in honor of Jane, we now be Jane.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. cool. I like that. That's a fun fact. <laughs> okay, so I guess as the podcast goes, we kind of liked our guests to take us on the journey. As I said, from where you think your journey kind of began, and for you to tell it in the way that you wanted to be told, and to just, I suppose, have the listeners get to know you a bit better and what you do and where you've been and just everything and anything that you think would be interesting to tell people so if you just want to take it away from where you think the in your your (laughs) dream where you think it kind of started well we
2: started our conception really Mm -hmm. yes
1: started (laughs) with jane Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) good woman jane
1: yeah. If it wasn't for Jane,
2: seriously.
0: I wonder could we have Jane on the podcast in the future? <laughs> so.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so see how many people she's actually responsible for. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Probably
1: quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've come to an interesting point. I suppose I'll start with where I feel I am now and then like rewind mm-hmm. a little. So I'm in an interesting place now where I feel like I've kind of done a little bit of everything over the last few years. And now I've found myself being a comedian, but really struggling to identify as a comedian and kind of view it as a, val- a valid profession mm-hmm. and something, you know, I, I'm like writing. Yeah, just I'm really still struggling with the kind of conservative mindset that I probably grew up with. And that is the culture of Ireland, which is, you know, it's fine to do performance things in your spare time, mm-hmm. but not really a real career choice that uh, contributes to society and you know you should be using your spare time to read at mass and that type of thing okay um, (laughs) i see yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but i'm coming to a point where i'm almost accepting and enjoying it and kind of letting myself relax into it Mm so i suppose when i left school to kind of rewind i always had an interest in working with people and kind of i wouldn't have called it equality at the time i know when i was an 18 year old i was like like, i would like to work with people who are disabled i wouldn't use those words now but at the time that was kind of the mindset that i was in so i studied occupational therapy Mm -hmm. which is a healthcare profession for to promote independence so it would be like physical rehabilitation also working in mental health services and it's all about
2: um where did you study that i studied in nui galway yeah so that's what really brought you to galway then
1: well yeah so i did my undergrad in galway then i was working in dublin for five years as an occupational therapist and i just found that the job itself it never it never suited me i couldn't i i never really fit in I always had kind of alternative ways of thinking that I would maybe get reprimanded for or I just like I just find the kind of organized health. Well, like so I I always have this example of so like my job was to kind of go out to people's houses and help them to live safely. But the way the health, what the health service really wanted was so that people wouldn't fall in their homes, so that they wouldn't be readmitted to hospital, so that it wouldn't cost more to the health service. That's, That's a very simple synopsis of it. Obviously, there's a lot of great people doing a lot of great work within the health service. But anyway, I just found it frustrating and I... I remember one time I agreed to meet a woman who had just been in hospital, and she was home, and she used to go to yoga, and um, but she didn't really have the confidence to get back to go to yoga herself. So I said I'd meet her on the day that yoga was, and we'd walk down together, and then she'd go into yoga, and then I'd meet her. So just to kind of help That's her. Really <laughs> yeah, and like I would have seen that as part of the job, as like promoting well-being and like independence and all of that. But anyway that wasn't seen as part of my role because anyway it was too risky like to go into the community with people and that was kind of seen as a mental health the health service is kind of weird it's divided into physical and mental health services Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like facilitating someone to do a hobby is for someone who has a mental health difficulty if that makes sense
2: right okay
1: so it's kind of like, oh, there isn't, but obviously it crosses over into, you know, one is not dis- disjointed from the other, you know, they mm-hmm. both, anyway, so.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And I, anyway, so, and I would have been about like how to make a community more inclusive so that people like, so that being is promoted all of the time. And then the, like the need for health services is kind of taken away altogether, like uh why don't the health services work with the bus services and make sure that there's a proper place for people to rest? Oh at every my God. Yeah. yeah. And like the, you know, 100%. bus drivers. anyway, bus drivers aren't supposed to move off um, until everyone is sitting on the bus, you know, but you, mm-hmm. I mean, you're anyway, all these really small things that like contribute. And it's not that it's anyone's, fault there just isn't the kind of joined up thinking like across all certification surf- or anything like that yeah so anyway needless to say i just found it too stressful and i also found like too stressful because i just felt like i wasn't doing wasn't able to do anything that was actually like worthwhile mm-hmm. or anything.
2: So yeah. you felt confined and you couldn't probably express yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. I never really got it. I never really understood why I didn't quite fit in. So anyway, I decided I'd go back and do a master's again in Galway. So this is what brought me to Galway the second time. Mm-hmm. So I did a master's in health promotion, which is kind of along those lines of like, you know, how to avoid the need for like more acute health services and how can health be promoted within the community. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like, that was the best thing I've ever done because it's like health promotion is really sociology. And I think it's the first time that I saw things explained in a way that made sense to me. So the kind of social determinants of health and the inequalities that we have in terms of, socially excluded communities and gender and all of the And it was just really eye opening because I'd never I'd never really seen it. And then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, the health services are are not designed great Mm -hmm. because even take a profession like occupational therapy you know, you need 500 points or something to get into that. Like, who's going to get 500 points? Like, you know, well-educated, affluent people from Ireland. So then it's all of us designing the health services for the whole country. And like, we're not going to be able to know every perspective and all of that. So anyway, I was like, oh, diversity, that's the answer. That's the key. Mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> so um. That, that was really good and then that kind of took me on a journey then through realizing coming to realize like how effective the arts can be in terms of like shifting attitudes um so then like fast forward a little bit to me doing more and more comedy i had started doing comedy when i was about 23 and i was just kind of doing it as a hobby but i suppose as my my views of the world changed my view of comedy changed and my view of how it could actually be used as a really positive tool Mm -hmm. changed so now I I love comedy because I I feel like I you know I try to share as real and genuine things from my own perspective my own experience as possible but also to promote as many other people as possible to do comedy so to get more women doing comedy more people who are if you look at comedy, it's all the kind of standard white men. And I hate like I have nothing against white men, but it's just like we need a mixture of of everyone uh, mm-hmm. to hear a more diverse story of what the world is and like hear like what's funny and observations about life. Everything. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So then I was obviously working with Bright Club, which is a which is a comedy club that promotes people in research to do comedy um as a kind of a tool of empowerment for them to talk about their research find new ways to communicate it and kind of build their confidence but then through bright club it was a great opportunity because i could reach out to other people so not just people in research but people maybe activists of all different types who may you know to maybe try to do comedy um as a one-off thing or and maybe by doing it as a one-off thing it might make them do it more or inspire them to do other things and just give them that bit of confidence. So, yeah, I suppose that's kind of where I'm at now. So I've just moved to Berlin uh, because I'm a bad feminist and my boyfriend lives here. So (laughs) 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 I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Um, Maybe it's a comedian thing because we had Anna Panigatsky on a few few weeks ago and Mm -hmm, she moved to Ireland for her boyfriend. Uh, Yeah,
1: (laughs) anyway, yeah. But I'm really excited to be here. So I've kind of seen what comedy can do and what the arts can do in terms of, oh, we just need like as many different people doing as many different art forms as possible to kind of show that everyone is the same as everyone else. Like we're all normal, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. And also like all attitudes matter. So um, I'm excited to see, I'm here, like, I'm really only here a week and a half, so we'll see uh, what happens. But the community art scene is pretty vibrant, and also there's opportunities to start things here.
2: So,
0: And just to, to kind of go back to the, the Masters and comedy thing, so hmm. um, you finished your Masters, and did when you went and did your Masters, did you already know in your head at that time that you were kinda of gonna lead into comedy, or did that come at the kind of end of your masters or in the middle? Uh, that came at the end or
1: even like a year after um when I went to do the masters, I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna learn everything that works in the health services and I'm gonna go back to the health services in a year and know mm-hmm. know where I fit and know. And then as I went through the masters, I was like, oh okay, I don't think the health services are are for me at all
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: I, I got a job in the university when I finished the master's in community engagement so um, that was just kind of lucky through contacts that I had made so I was working on a few projects that's about trying to create partnerships with the community and the university in terms of the type of research that's done and mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. and then through that came Bright Club. Okay as well. okay, so <laughs> and that's then-
0: how you were introduced to comedy you heard of Bright Club and Kind of went for yeah, well, like I was already
1: doing comedy. Okay. I started doing comedy in 2011. Okay. The first
0: and just what, got, maybe guided is not the right word, but what pulled you towards comedy? What was it that magnet? Mag, mag, no, that's not a word either. Yeah. What am I trying to use, fee? <laughs> what word? Um, what
2: um,
0: drew what you? <laughs> yeah, drew. There we go. There she is. Yeah. What drew you uh, towards comedy?
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, I. It's. It's it's something that I find hard to explain. And I think for people who are naturally inclined to do comedy, it's something that's just kind of innate within you. And it just makes sense to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely always enjoyed performing. You know, I grew up doing drama and I would have always got the comedy roles. Okay. And I, lo- you know, I just, I noticed an ability in myself to be able to make people laugh and mm-hmm. to be quick-witted and, you know, and then, so it was when I was 23 that I said, huh, maybe I actually could do stand-up comedy. Like, maybe that's not a ridiculous idea. Maybe I could do it. And mm-hmm. then um, once you start, you know, it's kind of it's kind of an easy thing to get into. Um, there's kind of nights happening all over, in Dublin especially.
2: It's, very, it's quite easy. Like, Dublin, Dublin has a lot on, but even somewhere small, like Galway, or we were even chatting, myself and Leah, um I was going to say off air but that's not a radio show even in Cork there's nights popping up now and things like that as well Mm -hmm. like yeah the opportunity is there if if you want to get up and give it a go I think it's a real nice kind of community as well because they usually would you know when they're there and people are into comedy like especially with Bright Club everyone just supports everybody Mm -hmm. and they respect you for getting up and taking the mic and telling your story and having a bit of crack with it and mm-hmm. I think it's just a, a general fair fox to you, do you mm-hmm. know it's, yeah. it's- I think it gets and then then the kind of levels of comedy and you know your different genres of comedy come into that but there is seems to be kind of a general flat line of yeah okay cool fair play to you do you mm-hmm. know and it's really nice but it isn't it isn't hard to get into
0: I can definitely, be, like from I wouldn't have had any experience with comedy other until like you, Fee started doing the the Bright Club stuff. I suppose it's given me a little peephole into the that sort of industry. It's like after seeing you go through it, it definitely looks like it's easy to step into, but I can imagine that it's difficult to stay in in terms of like if you do want to progress, progress, progress within it as a career. I suppose because yeah. it is a. I can imagine a very tough industry when you go beyond that group of people yeah. yeah when you go beyond that group of people I... that support you and go like you said fair dues for getting up there and that's definitely how i'd look at look at it like i admire i think comedians are people that do comedy is such an incredible talent so yeah. how do you find pushing through feel... that kind of that's a really
1: good a really good point and i think i i mean yeah it depends what reasons you're going into comedy as well and i think yeah what age you are and you know i'm 32 now i was 23 when i started so Mm -hmm. definitely my aspirations um have changed somewhat or my definition of success has changed basically so and like if you're going into comedy I mean you fall into it you don't really have a plan when you start it but as you go through it if you're thinking oh i want to be the best i want to be performing on a world stage i want to make people laugh i don't know i think it's a recipe for really hard like making yourself feel bad and like just hardship whereas if you're going into it with an idea of what your voice is like what you're trying to say what Mm -hmm. you're trying to express then you find the successes come as like a show goes really well, or um, you, you just see it for the value that you want to get out of it, mm-hmm. rather than wanting to be the best without knowing what the best is. Because it's it's relentless. That's mm-hmm. the thing about comedy. Like you'll never stop, and you'll never. There'll always be an opportunity. I re- I had a realization last year. So in 2017, I was like. I want to be I want to be doing every festival next year. I want to be doing Kilkenny Cat Laughs. I want to be doing uh, Dublin Fringe. I want to be doing Vodafone, da-da-da-da. And then in 2018, I found myself in the position where I was doing all of these festivals that I had said that I wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I noticed in one in particular, when I was doing it, I was just thinking about the next festival. And yeah. I wasn't yeah. letting myself like, be in it enjoy it even though a year ago this is what I was saying I wanted to be doing Mm -hmm. when I found myself there I was just like thinking about the next thing and frantic and not able to relax so I've definitely come to a much better point now Mm -hmm. where I'm like I'm not like why did I want to do all of those things Uh, you know I I don't know it was this like perceived notion of what success is Mm -hmm. rather than knowing what I'm trying to say what my comedy is about and like finding places to say it. So I'm writing a show this year. I totally relaxed, wasn't booked for Kilkenny. Didn't bother, you know, I was fine with that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm writing a show now for Dublin Fringe, which is in like three weeks time. And I'm really looking forward to it because it's a show that's a really genuinely like a story about what I've gone through in terms of trying to express myself and, um, like, I just feel like I'm really sticking true to my own voice and my own story rather mm-hmm. than just trying to be funny, in inverted commas, and, like, be really successful when I don't know what that is.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. would your comedy, your style of comedy, include some personal stories? Yeah, so, like, I'm trying
1: to get, I'm trying to introduce that more because i realised was in like i've done the edinburgh fringe the last couple of years i didn't do it this year but i've done it the last two years the full run so the full month of august like do a show every single day
0: mm-hmm.
1: and
2: um that's, that's that's a lot.
1: Lot. yeah it's intense but it's it's character building
2: it's <laughs> <intense>. <laughs> It's one way of putting what it it's what one would way a typical day in edinburgh be like
1: a day in edinburgh
2: yeah yeah the fringe yeah so like you
1: do it's 22 it's an average 22 days in a row you're doing like your own show the the hardest thing about it is promoting your own show so like i had an afternoon show both times and so you have to get out on the street like a couple hours before and literally be out with flyers and literally be like selling yourself Mm-hmm. Selling And you just have to be ready for the majority of people to look at you like you're dirt. Because if you've ever been to Edinburgh during the festival, oh, like the it's so annoying, all of the people like trying to promote their show, you just want to punch them all in the face. Like, <laughs> so, so, anyway, so you have to do this, you have to gear yourself to go do that. So, you do like two hours of promotion, then you do your show like every day feels like about a week long you know by the time and like you're just like it's such an exhilarating experience but it's also like you're counting down the day like as soon as it starts you're just kind of looking forward to it being over Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. definitely a difference between year one and year two was I enjoyed each individual show more because I was kind of maturing a bit in terms of realizing why I'm doing comedy and why I like doing it I it wasn't just about trying to get like a full room like fill that room with 50 people and if I don't fill the room with 50 people it's not a success Mm -hmm. like for year two I just noticed sometimes there'd be like I mean, you might have to just tell yourself these things to make yourself feel better, but, like, young girls in the audience, say, like, 19, 20-year-olds, and I was like, I'm really glad they were at that show, because, like, here I am, like, someone that they might be able to relate to, and then, because, you know, and maybe if they think that they ever want to do comedy, that it might not be a totally unattainable thing that they could do. Mm -hmm. And then, like... There was another show where I had like a half a half a room in and they were lovely. But there was one man in the front who was just really grumpy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I highlighted it near the start. (laughs) And he um, acknowledged that he'd come here to laugh and that uh, his expectations were not being met. And uh, but like, I just love that. I still think of that. No, no, no. But I but what was amazing? Like. Sometimes you're on and sometimes you're not on. And that day, like I was on and I just ripped him apart, and it was <laughs> so much fun. The whole crowd were on my.
0: <laughs> <head>. <laughs> <laughs> and it was
1: just such a lovely, like, flip of dynamic. Whereas, you know, me, I look, no one can see me, but I look about 16, and, you know, I'm five foot, and, you know, I'm not the most dominating physical appearance and this man was you know he's a bully that's basically what he was Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah the little 16 year old totally beat him so it was so lovely (laughs) yeah um so (laughs) it's kind of seeing those moments and enjoying those and then it's like oh this is what art is actually it's like each individual each individual performance or engagement or whatever it is and what does it do for those five people those 50 people who are sharing that experience you know and like you know is it changing attitudes about gender or whatever or you know because are men dominant and women passive in that situation I was dominant and he was made passive Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just really liberating them when you see it that way and then it's like that's what success is rather than Performing at Baker Street and
0: selling it out. Or yeah, that. well, like everyone's. I love a saying on the podcast, and, oh <laughs> and one of them I like is uh, everyone's definition of success is different. Mm-hmm. And if you compare your idea of success to somebody else's, then you're gonna look like you you failed. But you have yeah. to set your own your own terms of success. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. and look at them because if you compare yourself, then that's just you've already yeah. lost essentially. Um, yeah, I think
2: the right definition of success for yourself as well because sometimes you have this definition of success in your head mm. you think this is what I'm supposed to do yeah and this is what I'm supposed to achieve mm-hmm. when it doesn't make you happy at all yeah
1: exactly
2: no. yeah yeah I think it's nearly worse mm-hmm. you filled out this room in for your gig but you you didn't you know yeah enjoy the gig yourself or or you you spent all this time studying to do a job that you know wasn't wasn't for you and yeah the stories are quite similar a lot of people have similar stories like that so if you you know you're incorporating something like that into a show or into a podcast so many people can relate and I think that's such a better better version of success than the original ones you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: there's a really like being in Berlin is really interesting because it's like everyone who works as a barista has a PhD you know it's like everyone is is so successful but yet there's but there's this really happy way of living here or it seems to be where even if people are in these in inverted commas like uneducated jobs or you know whatever it's like it doesn't really matter like everyone just does whatever and then they like volunteer or they run a choir or they you know they have all these other things going on in their spare time Mm -hmm. so it's like. professions and their jobs don't define who they are it's like their overall lifestyle and they live really sustainably and it's just yeah um it it really does seem like there isn't so much pressure in terms of like career you know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. to be really successful in terms of our career when we never really let ourselves say well maybe that doesn't make us happy maybe it's not really what I want mm-hmm. and, like
0: And I think, I think it's good for everybody to take that step back and question yourself that like, if, if does this make me happy, am I just doing this for other people, which is, I guess, kind of leads into what my next question would be in terms of your, your family and your, and your close friends and stuff. Did they find, did you find that they supported you in your decision to pursue a career as a comedian or did you find they kind of questioned it or what did you find from your family
1: i think it's a struggle i i do feel like my family are the classic conservative irish family Mm -hmm. and like there's no artists or anyone who's really kind of led the path in terms of saying this is this is a job that you can do so Mm -hmm. um I like definitely I've I've come to resent like really resent I've always slightly resented but the annual Christmas party like the annual family Christmas party yeah because I just get questions from my uncles all of the time which is like oh how's the job going and then you know I've been having a successful year or two with comedy you know I've been supporting Deirdre Kane this year and I've been doing support you
2: really have it. I think we mm. need to pinpoint that yeah Yeah, you've written your own show. You've done Edinburgh. I mean, Bright Club is very successful. I mean, yeah, because I came home one evening and I had shown my sister, Una, videos of you and Bright Club and comedy before I had even really sort of taken the plunge or basically my friends forced me to do it. Um, But I said, Una said, yeah, we saw Deirdre Kane and we definitely saw Enya. She Um, was supporting her. Like, that's impressive. And they loved you, by the way. Um, Uh but like for then I can totally understand or visualise that Christmas party of, oh, that's great, you're doing the comedy. That's that's great.
1: So that's it. So I get the question, like, how's the job going? And I really have to
2: start believing it. You know, I think I said
1: at the very start of this, I'm finally coming to a point where I'm kind of believing that I'm a comedian and mm not apologizing or squirming as I say it as a like yeah. that's you know owning it yeah like, being, that's what I being do pr- that's my being job being
0: proud of the fact yeah. that you're a comedian yeah yeah but anyway
1: no I'll never like so talking to my uncle like talking yeah comedy's going well and like starting to like list a few things and then like just get interrupted oh yeah that's great but how is the day job going like what are you doing as a day job yeah and uh <laughs> But I mean, you're gonna get that kind of all of the time anyway. Mm-hmm. You just I mean, my family my family are very supportive and I think they know that I'm I'm sensible. You know, I'm not kinda sleeping all day and working ten minutes every evening and mm-hmm. no ambitions or, or anything. So I think they trust me in that they know that I know what I'm doing. But at the same time it's a struggle. Like dad my dad would um you know, when I was doing Edinburgh for the second time, he was a bit like, What, you know, why? That's a great thing to do as a one off thing, but mm-hmm. why would you do it? <laughs> why would you do it a second time? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And exactly. um, so it's hard. Like, I've realized why that's been so hard for me to come to accept it as a job as well is because I'm always fighting with this internal kind of struggle of if I'm not getting up and and starting work at nine and finishing at five every day then I'm not really being productive Mm -hmm. and I I need to yeah so I'm I'm kind of institutionalized myself in that way of thinking Mm -hmm. so it's a struggle and like it really is hard like if anyone is thinking of moving more into the creative realm it's hard like like, that's what I find hardest about it Mm -hmm. is you know, I sit down and I make stories about Lionel Richie teaching Irish and I have to go and find musta- fake mustaches and I have to cut them out and glue them onto his chest as chest hair. <laughs> and I have to say, this is valid work, you know? a <laughs> day's work that I'm doing that's <laughs> going to add to the vibrancy. I'm contributing to society. That has happened. That's not what I spend all of my days doing. <laughs> it, it's kind of believing that because I think it's easy to think that if you're doing something creative, you're kind of being a bit self-indulgent and mm-hmm. like, you know, you should be doing something that's more important or something. So I'm, I'm, I've am I'm, i been going through do, that internal yeah. struggle, but I, I think I'm almost at the other side. Like, it'll always be there. but And it definitely comes from coming from a more conservative family where people are in professions that make sense and no one really does the...
2: Outside the box
0: thing -hmm. yeah and have your have your family or your parents have they come to see you perform ever oh
1: yeah yeah like they're really supportive in that sense for sure yeah they've. i mean obviously because i've been performing for what eight years or something so they've seen they've seen a good few shows now um my mom i really it's funny my mom is so witty and so funny and so understated and you'd never know. You'd meet her and you'd never, never, ever know. But um, I just, I definitely get my sense of humor from her. Like, she's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then my dad is is a much more loud character. Like, he's really charming. If you met him, you'd love him. You know, he's great. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because he doesn't really get, he doesn't really get it. Because uh, I use a kind of deadpan, um, ironic sense of humor and yeah but so he'll say <laughs> he, he, he said this to me like i'd say four like at least four times after he's seen me perform. he'd just say well you looked lovely yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's such a dad thing to say when they don't know what else to say yeah. Sure, yeah. you looked great yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just wouldn't be able to comment on the content yeah really get it would would any of
0: your content or your jokes kind of incorporate your family or anything like that
1: i'm a bit worried because the show that i'm writing at the moment Uh features my dad heavily and i'm actually i'm to the point like i'm still writing it i have three weeks it's on it starts the 16th of september i have to see what stage it's at but i'm like fuck i don't know if i'm gonna be i don't know if i'm gonna have to give him a warning if coming (laughs) in. Or like it is exaggerated. Oh yeah,
0: of course. But, it,
1: but it's um, it is that dynamic because it's the show is kind of about everything that we're talking about. Like it's a show I've I've called it Are You Well? So my first I I do bilingual comedies in the Irish language. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all like not all of my comedies are bilingual, but that's my my, my USP mm-hmm. unique selling point. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um, so my first show. <laughs> Was me just like doing a an Irish lesson for the for the audience, so it's like a guerrilla Irish lesson. People aren't expecting it. So this is lesson number two, and we're focusing on our, like how to answer konna like are you well? Um, and then so it just kind of goes through but you know not to only answered in the Irish language but also an Irish context where we can't really talk about emotions and then it's so it's kind of a show about emotional intelligence and how, how I've come to realise like what I'm feeling and what signs are that I'm not well or that I'm stressed or you know and then kind of realising what life satisfaction is and this kind of idea of success and why maybe yeah being a a guerrilla Irish teacher is what I want to do with my life my dad yeah feet so dad is kind of there as the character who's like society put in all the norms and the expectations on me and me kind of trying to fight against that Mm -hmm. Um, so um yeah I don't know how it's (laughs) gonna um it sounds great yeah yeah i have a fake character in there as well called aunt margaret who's again kind of just symbolizing society societal norms but um the dad stuff is genuine at the same time mm. and i think it's relatable you know it's unlike because even fiona you know yeah. everyone who gets up and does bright club are like "Huh, oh, my parents can't believe that i'm a physicist like genuinely like yeah. i think parents just don't yeah. understand what children do
2: like that. yeah a hundred percent and I think yeah. these jobs didn't exist when they were our age or whatever so now they've come to terms with society has changed so much on them
0: sure it was yeah. just like I think yeah. their choices were like teacher nurse and farmer yeah <laughs> we're exactly. kind of the three staples for people yeah.
2: work in the bank
0: yeah, yeah work in the bank yeah yeah those kind of those kind of those jobs.
2: jobs are still being not forced upon us, but still mm. uh, advertised to us. We'll sure you look know, at. Uh, Want to go
0: and
2: do that. Look at Karen Duggan there. <laughs> so.
0: Karen Duggan going from potential <laughs> nurse to teacher. <laughs> uh, <Professional> so. teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I
2: think I think it's just the way things are gone. Yeah. And
0: I think it's people like you that are just kind of pushing through that sort of maybe stereotypes, not the right word, but pushing through the norms and kind of saying that there's something different out there to experience and there's something different out there for me to progress in and it's something that I love and I think that's it's a a perfect example of what you're what you're doing and your show your your show sounds great (laughs) 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 be excited to I'll be excited to see that if I get a chance so and just out of curiosity you're only in Berlin a week now is it
1: yeah well like I've been back and forth for the I've been transitioning for the past couple of months Mm
0: -hmm. basically yeah
1: and then um yeah my boyfriend is here so for the past year I've been back and forth
0: okay and do Um, you find uh the humor is very different over there yeah
1: I've well I've been pleasantly surprised that that I I kind of just communicating in general with a group of people my humor is picked up on which is nice Mm -hmm. because I was worried that I'd because co- it's I think when you're when being funny is just part of your personality, it's really hard if you find yourself in a context where it's not understood or interpreted differently, or mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I haven't. I've I've done a couple of gigs. They're all English-speaking clubs, so it's kind of the same stand-up comedy scene in a way that would exist at home.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, your topics are quite relatable too in in the Bride Club sense that everybody has a family. Everybody has, you know, gone through a college or career or training of some sort. You know, you can relate to that, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: I've kind of been thinking that um, the stand-up comedy scene, I'm not planning on, like, throwing myself full throttle into it over here either. I'm I'm doing gigs at the moment to develop the material for the show Mm -hmm. in September, but general i'm I'm kind of interested in storytelling and using different methods to do it
0: and yeah it's probably as you said you're kind of using being over in berlin as a a way of developing your new show and it's probably good kind of experiencing other sort of forms of comedy or other like everyone has their own sort of thing that makes them laugh and it's comedy is sometimes very subjective Like, my dad's sense of humor is completely different to mine. And he would send these (laughs) videos and you're like, isn't this hilarious?" And you're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) like, no, dad, that's no. And he'd be there pissing himself laughing and you're like, all right, dad, okay, cool. But it's just, it's probably good for even the development of your comedy and your show kind of being in a different environment comically, (laughs) a different comic environment. I think was, is probably helpful to your growth, kind of.
1: Yeah, I think so. Or like, you know, just being in a different culture, I think is great because you observe, you just get inspired by everything. Like the smallest interaction will inspire you because, you know, you're just, comedy is just you observing thing in the typical sense. It's just kind of observing life and how we interact with each other and how we say things and why we do things. And I think when you're, in a new context and especially a context where people speak a different language and kind of cultural practices are different it just naturally makes you see things differently or inspires you i've been trying to think i don't think it's working as a joke but it's kind of like trying to explain the Irish guilt, like the concept of Irish guilt to mm. German people. Yeah.
2: Oh God, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I don't, anyway, it's kind. It's too ridiculous. I have. But um, I mean, just like saying, you know, if you eat cocoa pops, like you can eat cocoa pops on a Saturday, that's fine. But you'd never eat cocoa pops on a Tuesday. Like you couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> oh. Uh, oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, Irish people, see, you guys just get it. You're like, oh, immediately, of course, no, that would be ridiculous. You <laughs> eat cocoa pops on a Tuesday. Whereas <laughs> here, it's kind of like when you eat. That's a
2: cornflake day. <laughs> yeah.
1: You have to eat porridge Monday to Friday. That's, yeah.
2: No joy. They're probably, the probably
0: like, I'll eat cocoa pops whenever I want to eat cocoa pops. <laughs> yeah. I don't, see the, pops I don't yeah. see the issue. I don't see the issue. That is
1: madness. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've kind of talked about how you you're starting to come to terms with the fact that I am a comedian this is my job this is my career what have you felt any doubts through this journey of going down this path of being a comedian I can see yourself see you shaking your head already <laughs> so I, I suppose explain that what yeah. what doubts you felt and what kind of motivated you and and drove you to keep to keep pursuing it essentially
1: at the end of every day I'm going to be a teacher. <laughs> right, I kind of okay. come to the end of the day and I'm like, No, nah, I'm
2: just gonna be a gym, just gonna go back and study and be a teacher. No, <laughs> um, oh my god, so many people answer that question like that, really? Yeah, <laughs> Don't they, Leah? Yeah, um, and yeah, everybody's like, I should have just done accountancy, been an accountant, like, yeah,
0: no, teacher, yeah. two words, summer so holidays,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know, be creative in your spare time, yeah. um um, no i think i think the the hardest thing about kind of transitioning into it is you know and i've spoken to friends who are creatives as well like ideas are great like you love the idea so you're sitting there you're an occupational therapist or you're whatever and the idea of being a a writer a stand-up comedian is so cool and so exciting but then when you find yourself crossing over into that world you realize, shit, this is like really hard work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is, what I find hardest is how lonely it is. Like, it really is a lonely, lonely job. Like, you can spend the whole day by yourself and you don't know, you know, it's just, it's hard. And like, I really miss that aspect of going to work every day, knowing exactly where you're going, having Mm -hmm. your social group at work, kind of just that lovely Mm -hmm. sense of connection, which you don't always get if you're kind of freelancing or doing whatever it is that you're doing
0: yeah um, I can relate to that totally yeah
1: yeah yeah so it's kind of being able to and you know then the good but I mean on the other side it's like you know me talking about my experiences in the health services and how I used to I used to have pains in my jaws and in my neck I used to always think that I was getting my wisdom teeth and then I went to the dentist and he's like no you're just grinding your teeth incessantly like I was just I just hate I really did obviously hate it so much and I didn't realize it so like now I get so much more satisfaction and enjoyment and I feel like I'm really doing something that I feel has a purpose compared to what I was before so I just need to always see the balance and the days when maybe I'm feeling lonely or frustrated or like I'm not making any progress And I want to be a teacher it's kind of if you do decide to do that you'll probably challenges within that so yeah that like that's a kind of a consistent struggle that I go through and then you just try to kind of surround yourself with other people who are in a similar situation Mm -hmm. uh, so that you support each other kind of creating a network
0: creating a community I guess what what pushes you past that then those kind of barriers like at the end of the day you say you come home you want to be a teacher what makes you then go actually no i don't want to be a teacher i want to be doing this yeah
1: getting like getting validation is really is is really good like so knowing that i'm doing this show for dublin fringe you know having some sort of deadline that you're working towards definitely helps Mm -hmm. but we had it we made a documentary as well that came out last year it's called and it's about learning the irish language it's basically It's a story of learning a second language, but Irish is the language. And then it's me doing the comedy, but I'm not a native speaker. So I kind of go through all the same fears that an average person would go through. And anyway, come out the other side and like, it's possible we can all do it. Mm -hmm. That's been touring internationally now. And like, it's been getting really nice feedback. And even just this week, we got feedback from a festival in Toronto and the the documentaries won a few awards but it won an award at that festival and then also it had Woo! feedback they did these little videos of audience feedback mm-hmm. and it was just like hearing what the people were saying and it's like yes that's why we made that film you know people are saying it's like a story of persevering you know challenging yourself you know kind of experiencing negative things but kind of pushing through to the other side and how liberating and empowering that anyway it was just getting that type of feedback then makes me go hang on a second like I'm actually good at this I'm doing you know this is not just me being self-indulgent this is me doing something that actually people like and people get something out of it and Mm -hmm. it fires people or whatever so it's that type of thing yeah getting the kind of validation in that sense
2: I think you might get that Leah yourself and work, you know, when you're, you're being created. So Leah, I don't know what, Anya. do you know what Leah does?
0: No. I just sit here all day and look out my window. <laughs> so no, I I, I have a, a production or a content creation company. So when you were saying that it's doing kind of freelance work or working by yourself from home is a lonely, a lonely job. And I, that's why I was like, I can relate because I work from home 100% of the time. Well, 90% of the time, sometimes I'm out filming and stuff like that. But I'm a videographer, photographer and graphic designer. So very much a lot of my time is is sitting here kind of either editing or thinking up different ideas or just trying to get new clients and stuff. And sometimes, as you said, that trying to put that structure of a nine to five, like sometimes I'm good at it and sometimes I'm bad at it. Like this week hasn't been a great week for me in terms of motivation but sometimes I have those week and those weeks and I think at the end of this week I was like you know what it's actually okay to have a week like that just don't let it continue like be like all right that was wasn't a great week I'll yeah. go and I'll do better next week so there's definitely a huge part of my job is validation and stuff and gratification in what you do or what you deliver and you see people smile or you see people being affected by what you've made or created and it's definitely. It's probably one of the main reasons why I love what I what I do and it's probably the same for you. You sit there and you write and you come up with your uh, your your stories or your your anecdotes or your sets and stuff and then you probably sit there a lot going, "Oh, is this funny?" and then you go and you perform it and you see people laugh and then that's the moment where you go, "Yeah, done it. Yeah. Nailed the the on or hit the nail on the head kind of thing." The creative industry is Every industry is difficult. Every career, every profession has its difficulty. But the creative industry, I think because it comes from so internally, like it comes from your heart and it comes from your head. And it's very much as much as you don't want to take things personally, it's hard not to sometimes because it is coming from such a a deep creative place that you have to go to to get to the end product, essentially, Mm -hmm. if that all makes sense yeah
1: <laughs> but it does, I mean like you say when you're responsible for all of your time and all of your output mm. as well it's so you're so hard on yourself you know you could be working in a job where you have to go nine to five and you only do an hour's work in that day but you've still worked a full day you still leave you still clock off and it's fine mm-hmm. it is and it's kind of for me coming to terms with maybe I'll do four hours in a day and like but maybe I will achieve quite a lot out of that four hours. Mm-hmm. And may, maybe that's been productive. And maybe I don't have to do the eight hours. It, like, kind of, it's been like, I'd often like feel like I have to work the whole day, even if I have a gig that night. And it's like, well, hang on a second. Like, you have a gig tonight. Like, that's work tonight. Hard to. Yeah switch off or give yourself the time but for sure like like it is that's the hardest part and it is this kind of love-hate relationship but when you do it it's like the act of performing and when it goes well and when yeah it's like really exciting if I've written something new or because I'm doing stuff now that's a bit more genuine and trying to be kind of long form and maybe a bit more provocative or whatever when that goes well or when i see a divide what i love is when i see a divide in a crowd so Mm. like if i notice (laughs) very simple but like all the women like you know there was a gig i did recently where there was a woman sitting at the back with two male friends and for the whole gig there was like six people on the whole gig she was just kind of sitting there pretty passive wasn't really interested Mm -hmm. and then anyway i got she really loved my set and it was lovely and it wasn't like the whole crowd loved it but i noticed that she really loved it and it's like that's exciting because it's like oh yeah it's not like like you say your dad has a certain sense of humor like we all have different senses of humor so it's really important that we have diversity yeah. within comedy and mm-hmm. like everyone has an opportunity to enjoy stand-up comedy no one group is funny, yeah so yeah it is it's that stuff and it's seeing it seeing the success that's letting yourself see the success Mm -hmm. that's what keeps me going because if you're not if you're just kind of beating yourself up all the time it's just going to be impossible
0: yeah totally totally understand that and totally relate and I guess that um kind of leads into probably one of the last (laughs) questions because we've kind of covered a lot of what uh, we have laid out so I guess what's your kind of I won't say long-term goal because that can kind of change but what is next after maybe the likes of Dublin Fringe Festival?
1: Yeah I I don't know like obviously I'm in a new place in Berlin which Mm is exciting because the last couple of years have given me an opportunity to make a documentary and write a couple of shows and I did a TED talk as well last year. Anyway, it's just all an opportunity to like do storytelling in a, using different formats. And I think maybe I'm realizing that stand-up comedy was just the first art form that I realized that I was good at and Mm -hmm. that I started, but maybe I have an opportunity to use other forms of storytelling and other kind of approaches as well. I think humor will always feature in what I do, but Mm -hmm. you know, um, so I really, ha- like, I have an idea for a, like, a documentary to talk to people from different cultures and show how we're all kind of the same using a, I'll tell you my idea, I hope no one steals it. But- <laughs> I got <laughs> my notebook.
0: Hey, maybe I could film it for you, you never know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated with how our experience of getting our hair cut, and like, everyone I talk to uh, has a story. Like, yeah. it. It, it crosses all genders, it crosses all cultures. It's not, you know, and people generally find it quite an anxiety provoking thing. And like they have particular hairdressers that they like to go to. Anyway, I just find it fascinating. And I think if I was to speak to a number of people from a number of cultures and backgrounds and everything, mm. that the stories would be quite similar. And it's kind of highlighting that we have all, we have common experiences, mm-hmm. you know, we're all kind of the same. So, anyway i kind of have that idea i kind of have an idea that i maybe have a book that i'd like to write i'll also keep doing comedy i don't you know definitely keep doing comedy but i'm excited to explore things Mm -hmm. over the next while like bright club was also an unbelievable i've moved on from bright club now obviously because i'm in berlin but Mm -hmm. like working in that and realizing
0: maybe you could start a bright club in berlin
1: yeah or something similar it's like mm. you know facility it's community development and it's facilitating people to do something that's quite empowering mm-hmm. and then and I've realized that I'm good at comedy and I'm good at facilitating like I'm good at that kind of community you're development very good. approach so it's like well yeah there's an opportunity to do something like that as well.
2: I, I think you have this nature about you Anya, where you're just so open and and Willing to give um, anything a go and let everyone kind of go at their own pace, like you're really accommodating. If it wasn't for you, what has happened to me in the last couple of months in terms of Bright Club and Fame Lab and all these nuts things, like honest to God, thank you so much. Like, and I really mean that because even just listening to you now, you're just not not to be all like, oh, we love you, but like <laughs> you you're really just easy to chat to and open to other ideas and with your main goal always just being for people to tell their story and for communities to come together. Cause we all have these general things that we all can understand. And for me being a, and Leah will even vouch for this. When I went and started the PhD, I was kind of on my own. No one really understood what I was doing. My parents still don't really know what I'm doing. But it was so nice to go to a night where, do you know what? I, I totally agree with that person on stage there, that my supervisor fucking hates me. I get it, do you know? And it was just, it was kind of a night where people like us in, in, in not so creative fields like research, where we don't get to do that. And and I do think it, it was a probably one of the best things I've ever done. And my confidence went through the roof. Um, and we always try and encourage people like I always say, what did what did Anna Panagasti call herself a, a, a Bright Club and Fame Lab uh, evangelist? <laughs> um, she'd go around telling everybody to give it a go, but you, you totally should. You don't know much about yourself until you get up on a stage and tell a story. I think because mm-hmm. it is incredibly empowering and it's so scary. Oh my God, so scary. But even setting up things like this, I would never have thought I we would even be able to do something like this. You know. And to tell people stories, especially women's stories um, in, in the world of podcasting, um, which is great and so great to have you on it.
1: Well, thank you, Fiona. It's things like that. It's no, seriously, thank you so much. And That's uh, your
2: validation for Friday.
1: Fiona, but seriously, like it is, it's hearing that stuff that then says, OK, this is like, this is all worthwhile. And yeah, I'm doing something good.
0: And that's what one of the main things about this podcast, as as Fee said, is to share stories from other females that have slightly different careers or maybe they have the mainstream type careers but it's just to have other people listen and get inspired and get motivated and kind of if there's a moment where they relate to somebody that they're listening to then we've facilitated or we've done our job to help other females kind of go a different path if they want to or if they're on the edge of deciding between like for you if they're deciding to go down a kind of within the health industry or if they're wanting to do stand-up comedy like a perfect well kind of perfect example is a girl from home did a a maths degree like she got 600 points in her leaving cert. she was all set to do maths in in, uh, college or some sort of mathematical degree I think she did it maybe for a couple of years or she did complete it but she forgot about it all and she's a dancer and she's a choreographer and like that's just something like she um, found something that she was passionate about and she pursued it and i think everyone needs that message yeah. needs to hear that message that they can pursue yeah. something if they if they really really want to
1: if you get 600 points and you're leaving there is not a re- personal responsibility on you to become a doctor
0: yeah oh my gosh yes so
1: many
2: young yeah i want to say do the course that's
0: 100 points mm-hmm.
1: like if that's the course you want to do like yeah
0: it's- if you mm-hmm. want to become a sandwich maker you do it you do make it. that best goddamn sandwich of your life. I
1: love yeah. sandwiches. <laughs> like sandwiches, you know, you always remember the really good sandwiches.
0: I think yeah, there are
1: any particular sandwiches that I can remember in my lifetime. But you also <laughs> remember,
0: like, when you go to delis and someone makes you, like, you know, the way you, some stuff has to be put in a certain order. You always remember the ones that don't do it right. And if you go <laughs> into it all the fell out then yeah, into and it. if you go into the deli and you see that person there, you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah every every career has its uh its champions we've kind of covered everything and we're kind of coming to the end of the episode and what a great episode it was so we're coming back to the end of like where we like to ask a few kind of more fun questions so the first question of the fun questions three people dead or alive that you would like to have over for dinner don't think about it spitball spitball go (laughs)
1: yeah i know okay i don't know michelle obama
0: that yeah, like. um... <laughs> who wouldn't? Who wouldn't have Michelle Obama? No one needs. No one needs a, an answer for that.
1: Spike Milligan. I like Spike Milligan. Oh, I
0: love Spike. Uh,
1: Michael J. Fox.
0: Okay, it's an interesting. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting trio.
1: Favorite... It's a new one. He. I just think he's a babe. I think I've always had a crush on him.
0: So. Why not? Yeah. Bit of eye candy for the night. Um, he's pretty
2: inspiring as well, isn't he? he is yeah. Inspiring yeah isn't he like he's still flying it in fairness he's yeah. has he parkinson's yeah yeah
0: yes. yeah well he was the person that gave everyone the dream of wanting a hoverboard in their life so <laughs>
1: <Wow>. <laughs> i hate these types of questions
0: just we we like, love to make yeah, people feel a... completely contorted <laughs> yeah we love making people feel a little awkward uh, um okay so what is your favorite quote or matcha that you live by if you have one if you don't that's fine i don't Oh, God. I don't know if I have. Have you got a favourite line from a comedian that has always stuck with you, maybe? You look more uncomfortable
2: now (laughs) than we asked you about who you'd have for dinner.
0: I just like, you
1: know, when you have to really think on the spot.
0: Anyway, I. See, you needed uh, to look at the questions before. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't look at them before. That's
1: true. It's just because I said Spike Milligan earlier, but Uh uh, you know, on his gravestone, he has written. I told you I was sick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> um, brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, that's good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good thing to have on your that headstone. Actually came up in the chase last week. I don't know if any
2: of you watched the chase. No. But uh, no. No. Yeah, you watched nothing. I watched. Yeah, because um, I yeah, was it up. It's like, inscribed on his Grave. And um, my boyfriend was like, "Who, who would know that?" And I went oh my god that's exactly he said that that i told you i was sick and then when it went green or whatever everybody in the audience or whatever on the on the episode the chase like he did not
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a great i think it's a solid epitome is that the word okay so knowing what you know now what would you say to yourself 10 years ago or maybe what would you say to yourself when you were starting off in your your comedy career comedy journey
1: don't listen to shit advice <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah,
2: like, what's well, been some shit mm, advice mm. When, when you're doing comedy you have to be prepared for
1: everyone on the back to like tell you to kind of tell you what you did wrong and to tell you how to make it funnier and the the way that they're trying to make it funnier is like to put more gags in you know and obviously you need that but it's just yeah. gags for the sake of gags rather mm. that maybe Maybe I'm trying to say something different, yeah. But I would say I wouldn't do anything differently. I don't think I'd do anything differently in in terms of, like, how I've gone through the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think I have to go through everything that I've gone through to get to where I am Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Because I have always thought I would have actually... I could have gone to art college. Like, as an 18-year-old, I never, ever would have considered, like, going to art college or something like that. Whereas now, I would... But if I'd gone as an 18-year-old, I wouldn't have. it would not have suited me
0: then. And uh, one last thought before we sign off. Um, what would you say to someone that's kind of teetering on the edge of a decision or what could kind of change their life for a different direction? Kind of like when you were deciding to kind of go where the direction that you went with the comedy, what would you say to someone that might be not necessarily on the edge of going towards like a creative type career, but just something different that is unexpected i suppose
1: do it like if you're thinking about doing something just do it because like we're in such a great place now where we can have seven professions in our lifetime or more than that you know Mm -hmm. like there's so many opportunities for us and if we're doing one thing we don't have to be pigeonholed into that thing and i think nothing has to define us so if we've been If we've been a teacher for five years and we want to become a bus driver, then like do it for a while. And then you can always go back to being a teacher if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like for me, every time I've made a decision, like the most empowering thing is also making a decision rather than like spending a year or two years thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Just, just, just go there, just do it and you'll feel so good. And then you'll figure out whether it's, if it's for you or if it's not. Mm -hmm. For me, every time I've made a decision and every time I've made a change,
0: it's been unbelievably positive. Great. If anyone's out there, just do it. Yeah. Nike, like Nike, don't come ass. <laughs> Great. So we've kind of come there. That's the last of the fun questions you'll be glad to know. Um, You're off the hook. You can relax. Yeah, you can relax now. Uh, so I guess we just want to leave people with uh, your social media or where they can find you. So plug as much as you want
1: yeah twitter i'm at anya gallagher a-i-n-e gallagher 3 and i also have a website www.anyagallagher.com links to the documentary that i mentioned and everything else is is there yeah twitter and the fa- and, and the, fa- the and facebook. facebook
0: no they dropped the, the <laughs>
1: website uh, are the main are the main spots
0: okay yeah. perfect anya thank you so much for Taking the time out all the way in Berlin to uh, be on our our humble podcast Next Gen Femme. You're our episode nine. How exciting! So I guess we just oh want to yeah we, we just want to say thank you so much. Anyone that's listening, know of anyone that would like to be on the podcast? Just add it at us at Next underscore I R E on Twitter and Instagram. So contact us in any way if you know of anyone that would like to be on. Anya, yeah, thank you so much
2: oh thank you been a fanta-
0: it's been a fantastic chat thank you. um so excited for your future shows me and fee will definitely have to try and catch you in some some location sometime so i guess yeah just thank you so much for being on yeah,
1: no worries thank you yeah it's been a pleasure it's been lovely it's been re- really really good
0: thank you. thanks a million so i guess we'll all say goodbye Bye bye
1: choose that's
0: how we say it in german okay choose okay bye everyone thanks for listening